Well, this was totally unexpected. I got a phone call from Adrian on Wednesday night to let me know about Sim. <clears throat> I've been out visiting a retired pastor, 10 years older than I am, for about three hours that afternoon. I'd been planning to be away, and I was procrastinating and didn't book my accommodation, which was just as well. But here's one of the things that happens to you when you start to get older. And I'm saying older because if my wife was here and I said old, she'd be getting after me. You're not getting old, you're getting older. My mind went back after hearing what was happening with Sim to the time I was 17. <clears throat> and I'm going to use a word, Albert, that I'm, maybe it's the younger generation don't know anything about this, but hopefully they do. In the summertime, I worked for a printing company, and I had the job of going on deliveries with an old Volkswagen truck. I don't know if anybody remembers those. They just had sides, and the sides would come down, and you had a flat bed, flat bed right? I can ask you, Simon. Do you remember how many horsepower they would have? How many horsepower? 45, 60? Not even that. I was on delivery down to Toronto. <clears throat> I'd done it a few times. And uh, they didn't have much power. And when I was loaded up with printed goods that are heavy, I mean, my top speed wasn't too great. I made my delivery and I was on my way home. And as I say, this wasn't the first time, so because I knew what would happen, I took along my Gideon Bible with me that we got in grade five. I had that with me in the truck. And I had my foot to the floor, and I was heading into a headwind. And I'm doing 35 miles an hour all the way home from Toronto. I got to as far as about the Drumbo Road cutoff, and I was reading John 17. I'd started out in chapter 1. <clears throat> and of course, remember young people, in those days there weren't many cars on the road, so not like it is today. So I was reading through John's Gospel. I'd come now to John 17, and I just got to the verse where the Lord says, I have completed the work that you gave me to do. And with that, out of the blue, a crop duster came. We still have them? We still use them? Okay, so the younger generation know a crop duster. I didn't see it coming, and it came over the field and shoot, right up over my cab. And I thought, oh, I've completed the work. This is, this is it. I'm done. So it took me back to that. I thought my work here was completed. I was certain it was completed. I promised him I would stay for a year. And I thought, well, it's almost a year. It's not quite, so I guess it's not done yet. That's what was going through the mind of an old guy. Now, about a week or so, just after Sim came home, again, I was wakened in the middle of the night, and the Lord was giving me a message, and I thought, well, okay, that's fine, but I don't know why I'm getting a message. I'm all done. So I never bothered taking any notes. So lo and behold, I get a phone call from Adrian on Wednesday, and I'm thinking, 
what was that about? And I don't have any notes on it. I had a gist of what it was. The message today is not what it was. I know that, but it's something similar, all right? So I hadn't taken any notes. So when Adrian phoned me on Wednesday night, I'm saying, Lord, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. What's the message for today? Well, he took my mind back to something of what he had given me probably two weeks prior. And I want you to consider this. From the very beginning of time, God, as I've been saying over and over again, has had a plan. But not only has he had a plan, he has told us what his plan is from the very beginning. We get to the time of the prophets, and God gives the prophets a message to deliver to the children of Israel. Some of the prophecies that they were given were something, was something that was going to happen soon around the time of the prophecy. Others, even the prophets knew, was off in the future. But God always makes his mind known to his people. Now, we're in a body of Christ in which there's various giftings. And I've come to realize this, for one. God obviously does not give us all the same insight into things depending on our gifts. Whether you want to believe it or not, there are prophets today. There always has been. Otherwise, Paul would not have written about it, and they're part of the list. God today uses people not to foretell as the prophets of old, but prophets that go back into reading the prophets of old and God enlightening those scriptures that are relevant for the day in which we live. God always makes his mind known. Is it important then that we know the day in which we live? And I think it is of ultimate importance that we understand where we are in the history of the world and in church history. This is not the... It's not always well accepted. In fact, I have spoken to some that are pastors... And it's kind of like, why would you waste your time on that? And I find it incredible. But you see, even going back into the Old Testament, there's a comment made, <clears throat> which is in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. There's a listing of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's a comment made about the tribe of Issachar. I was one of Jacob's sons. We hear very little of the tribe of Issachar. But this is what it says. The sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Out of all the 12 tribes, Issachar was the one that God must have communicated through in order to direct Israel as to what was about to happen. 
And God throughout history has done the same thing. If you go to Simeon and Anna in the New Testament, when Jesus comes on the scene, Simeon was there, an old man, and he went to the temple every day. He was living in Jerusalem. And he had a communication from God to say that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. Anna, well over 100 years of age, and she had a communication from God regarding this coming Messiah. They were looking for consolation in Israel. The word consolation can be translated comforter. Israel, in the main, were not looking for anyone to come. They had been promised a Messiah, but they'd had 400 years where there was no communication from God directly from the prophets. They weren't looking for him to come. There were some in Jerusalem that were, and Anna was one of them. And that word consolation means comforter. Tie that in then with what Jesus said before he left. I'm going to send you another comforter. One just like me. Jesus was prophesying. He was telling what's to come. When you go back through the Old Testament, it's very interesting to follow the times that God spoke to his people and his people ignored the warning. Nevertheless, what God said came to pass. We need to be aware of that in our time. I'm going to read to you from Luke 19. This is when Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, his triumphal entrance into Jerusalem. And Jesus drew near, he saw the city Jerusalem and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, that the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. That came to pass in AD 70 when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. They will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? Jesus tells them why. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. What an indictment. They were not looking for him to come. They did not recognize when he was coming. And he says because of that, the city and the temple are going to be destroyed. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. And you might say, Jesus, give us a break. How are we to know? Was it possible that we could know? Hmm. In the days of Josiah, when Josiah as a young boy went in and he wanted to clean up the temple and he sent the workers in. And when they were clearing out the temple, they came upon the book of Moses that had been lost. It hadn't been read in possibly centuries. 
Is the Bible an old relic that we put on our bookshelves? Or do we know our Bibles? And this is what Jesus was saying to them. Because you did not know the time of your visitation, you weren't reading the Scriptures. So where could they have gotten it from? If they had gone back and read the book of Daniel, they would have found the answer and they would have known the time in which they were living. I believe we need to be challenged if we really are concerned and know the time in which we're living. And this is what it says in Daniel. This is just part of it in Daniel 9. Know therefore and understand. This was Gabriel coming to speak to Daniel. From that, from, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. After 62 weeks, because they're taking in consideration the first seven, we won't go into that, but this is now talking about the 69th week. After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the time of the war of desolations are determined. Had they gone back and calculated 490 years, they would have known the time of their visitation. Has God left us without the information of what lies ahead? I don't believe so. From the very beginning, God has been revealing to mankind his overall plan. That first plan, of course, was looking forward and leading up to the point at which that Messiah was going to be cut off and die for the sins of the world. It was foretold back in the days of Daniel. Go back further to the Garden of Eden and the promised one that was to come through the woman, her seed would crush the head of Satan. Promised from the very beginning and now here we have its culmination when we get to the days of Jesus Christ. This next section is referred to as the Olivet Discourse, which is found in Matthew 21, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And if you read them through, you'll notice that there are variances and differences, and especially between Matthew and Luke. Luke is very clear here in what he records Jesus saying in his Olivet Discourse. Luke 21 and verse 20. Jesus himself said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. 
But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. They will be led away captive or they will be scattered among all the Gentile nations. This is exactly what happened in AD 70. And the Jews have been scattered around the world. They never had their own country since the days of Cyrus, in which Cyrus gave them the funds, gave them the authority to go back and rebuild the walls and the temple in Jerusalem under Ezra and Nehemiah. And Jerusalem was the capital. Never since that day have they ever had their own land. Until 1948. May the 14th, 1948. And the prophets spoke of this extensively as to what was going to happen. Can a nation be born in a day? Yes, it was born in a day. The valley of dry bones, bones came together, the sinews came together, and it was raised up a great army. This was God's prophecy regarding his people Israel, and they came back. And God made a way, and the nation of Israel was born in a day in 1948. And from that moment on, the world has changed. I say the world has changed because that was the beginning of the prophecy of the last days. That the prophets of old prophesied. Daniel was told to seal up the vision until the time of the end. Where are we in world history? Are we at the time of the end? If we are, the seals will be broken. And I'm beginning to see them one by one being opened. Not all at once, but over the the past, let me say, ten years, things that I did not see from the Old Testament prophets suddenly came to light. And within the last four years, it has been accelerating exponentially the things that are warning us as to the time of the end. But what are we going to do? Is there any way of escape? This is the Old Testament uh, prophecy regarding this time. Ezekiel 37, the Lord said to Ezekiel, Give this message to my people. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. God has fulfilled that prophecy. He's still fulfilling that prophecy. The largest number of Jews in the world are still in the United States outside of Israel. I look for them to start moving back to Israel. These things are beginning to be fulfilled in our lifetime. Zechariah 
prophesies as to these days and says in chapter 12, the burden of the Lord, of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay sage against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth be gathered against it. Jerusalem became the capital of Israel once again, recognized not by all nations, but first of all by the United States, 2017. That has not existed since the time of Cyrus, king of Persia. Are God's prophecies true? Is the word of God true? Can we trust it? If we can't trust it, we must be burying our heads in the sand because these prophecies have been fulfilled in some of our lifetimes. This is where we are in world history. It goes on in Zechariah to say, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication and they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns from his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. They will look upon me whom they have pierced. That still hasn't happened. And the reason that it hasn't happened is because Jesus in Matthew 24 says, regarding Israel, that he would not be coming back until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That cry has not gone out yet. That prophecy is still future. The groundwork has been laid in which that statement will be made. That will be at the end of a very, very difficult time in world history. Jesus himself has promised that he's coming again. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I will come again. What a promise that we've got to hold on to. He's coming again, and that day is coming soon. Hebrews 10 says, you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromise. That's the amplified version. So that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the fullness of what is promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and he will not delay but my righteous one, that is the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. He who comes will come and he will not delay. The day is drawing near, beloved. Are you ready? 
Have you heard the gospel message many times and have refused to respond and give your heart to Jesus? He's coming very soon and he will not delay. You need to be ready. We don't know at what time he may come. But here's the sad indictment, and this is what I'm observing today. And it breaks my heart, even within relatives. Let me back up a little bit. I would say between five and ten years ago, when I would be in conversation with fellow believers, the subject of the Lord's coming was never raised. About five years ago, it began to be raised. I was very encouraged to think that now people seem to have their eyes open to the fact that the Lord's return must be soon. But on the other hand, this is what we also have today that Peter records about the days in which we're living. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And I've heard it with my own ears recently. Nothing's changed. The world's just as bad as it ever was. It's not any worse than it was. I'm thinking, well, well, open up your eyes. Things have drastically changed. And even within the last three years. For this they willingly forget. That by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire unto the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this thing with the Lord. A thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. The Lord is not slack concerning his coming. He's delayed his coming. If you think he's delayed it, here's the reason. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. On that note, let me challenge you. You claim to be a Christian? Have you ever actually had a conversation with God about your sins? Or is it you've heard a message to say Jesus came and died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven and you believe that, but you've never had an encounter personally with God about your sins? Without that, you're highly unlikely that your sins are forgiven. Highly unlikely. You've never confessed them to God. It's through the confession of those sins that God grants repentance. 
and that God then causes you and declares you to be righteous. If you have not done that, I urge you to do that today. The day of the Lord's coming is soon. We do not know exactly when it's going to be, but all indications are pointing that it's closer and closer as each week draws to a close. Jesus in his first coming, his first advent, he came to save sinners. Thankfully, we're still living during that time. That was his purpose in coming, was to save sinners. The message can go out today as it has over the last 2,000 years. Jesus saves. He's the only one that can save. And the opportunity is available today to believe, to have your sins forgiven. In his second advent, many of us here are going to jump for joy. Because in his second advent, he's coming back to set up his own kingdom and righteousness. Righteousness. Not taken to court. And they find the guilty, not guilty, and the unguilty, guilty. He's setting up his kingdom in righteousness. He will rule with a rod of iron. Bear this in mind. When Jesus spoke the parable of the talents, and that God has given us talents, those of us that are believers, and he's given us gifts, Keep this in your mind. There is coming a day when you will meet with him face to face. Are you going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? It's a challenge to me. What am I doing with my life? I have no idea how long it will be. Have I lived my life? And at some point, when I meet Jesus face to face, he's going to say, Dave, well done. I don't know. Glory, I think if it wasn't for the fact that we have new bodies, I'd be breaking down in tears. I don't think I could take it. Right? That day's coming. Keep it in mind as you live life. So, in saying all this, what difference does it make? So what if I don't know what's happening in the world? So what if I don't know where we are in world history? It makes a tremendous difference for the believer. Well, let me give you an illustration why. As you all know, I'm not big on social media. I had Facebook at one time, or it started out as the Facebook in 2007, so maybe I got into it in 2008. I got tired of reading what people are doing. I don't need to know when they go to a certain room or not. I thought, no, I don't need this. It's taking up too much of my time. So I said, scrap it. I got off of it. But my wife stayed on it. And uh, I never asked her what she's reading on it. Maybe just as well, it'd be useless stuff, but anyway. 
She was reading it, and as time went on, she began to block people from accessing her Facebook. It had been very good and useful. I'm not saying it wasn't. What I didn't know until the end of her life was that she had joined prayer groups, Bible study groups online. People were communicating back and forth. It was great. But she had blocked out many things. There were too many things that were bothering her. Things would be posted that weren't scriptural and she would respond and say, that's not what scripture says. This is what scripture says. And it didn't go over too well. But when she took sick, she opened up her Facebook and she began to allow anybody that wanted to to have a look at her Facebook and she was posting her journey, the last days of her journey. There were some funny things. She had a, or has still, a cousin in Scotland who now is about 83 or 4. And she would communicate with her back and forth. My wife would be awake in the middle of the night. She was up every two hours anyway. And so she's on her tablet and she's trying to type out a message to her cousin. One day the next morning when she woke up and she opened up her Facebook, she started to laugh. I said, what are you laughing about? She says, well, I sent, uh, her name is Dorothy, my cousin Dorothy, a note on Facebook last night. And she has just sent me back, Esther, did you have a look at what you wrote? So she opened up to see what she had written, and you couldn't make head or tail of it. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, and all the words ran in together. You couldn't make out anything. So she showed it to me. And I looked at this. I couldn't read what she was trying to communicate. Then I started to laugh. And I communicated with her cousin. I said, Esther has shown me what she's written to you last night. I can't read it either, but I know what it is. And once you know what it is, you'll be able to understand. I said, she was typing in tongues. We need somebody to interpret it. Why did she open it up? It was amazing the number of people that communicated with her. Ladies groups from South Africa, Australia, the United States, Great Britain, other parts of Europe. And they had been following her journey and they were seeing the deterioration where her typing wasn't what it was. The words weren't what it was. And they followed it. And little did I know, until after she'd gone to be with the Lord, and I opened my email one day, and I had an email from somebody that I didn't know. Never heard the name before. So not knowing, I thought, well, I'll just send back a message and see who are you, should I know you? Because I didn't recognize the name. I did. And the reply I got was, we were a group of three young mothers in their 20s. We were following Esther all the time. She's been such an encouragement to us. And we're all wondering, how are you doing? 
If you had a week to live, would that change your life? I think it would. She had no idea how long she had to live, but her intent was to get the message out that Jesus saves. If he's coming as soon as he may be coming, how are we living our lives today? Has God put a hunger and a pain in our hearts for the souls of mankind to come to salvation? If we get a hold of this, our lives will be turned around from this day forward. We had no idea that Sim would be in the hospital this week. Well, we might have had, but nothing for sure. A life changes on a dime. Let me close with this one. Is there anyone here that has watched the Gaithers? A few, okay. Do you remember Anthony Berger? He used to play piano. You might, John, for sure. And Anthony, when he was about 42 or 44 when he died, I think, he was sitting at the piano stool, wasn't he? He was on a, he was on a cruise. And they had just been performing. Anthony was still on the stage, sitting up at the grand piano. And somebody noticed that he was frozen and went over and he'd had a heart attack. Anthony Berger tells a story that he had, his son at the time was around three or four years old. And the church that they attended were putting on the Easter pageant and his son was chosen to take the part of Jesus. So he'd been practicing and practicing And the time arrived, and they're on stage, and they put him up on a cross, and they went through the play, and the soldier came and pierced his side. And then they came and they took Anthony's boy off the cross, and they put him over here in a stone tomb that they had made, and they rolled the stone in front of the cave. One of the kids is narrating, And there he is, and the stone was rolled away by the angels, and they sat on it. Dead silence out of the tomb. And Anthony's saying, oh, no, he's embarrassing me. (laughs) He's embarrassing me. He's supposed to be coming out now. It's dead silence. And his little boy says, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, it's coming. It's coming, whether you're ready or not. Today, you have the opportunity. Your life as a believer can change today based on the fact that you know that he's coming and he will not delay. I trust that all of our lives are changed. Let me read to you Bill and Gloria's Peace on the King is coming. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors. In the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the King comes through the gate.
Happy faces line the hallways. Those whose lives have been redeemed. Broken homes that he has mended. Those from prison he has freed. Little children and the aged hand in hand stand. Garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. The flurry of God's trumpets spells the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grandstands all in place. Heaven's choir and now assembled start to sing. Amazing grace. What a day that will be. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpets sounding. And now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming, praise God. He's coming for me. Is he coming for you?